Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. What about culture? What are the big differences culturally? And I'm curious if we have any uh, people on, on Super Chat from Europe and, and what, and who know America who could comment on the differences in culture between um, the U.S. And, uh, and Europe. Now, in some ways, Europe is better than it used to be, I think. Right? So, so Ayn Rand talks about Europe as staid, conservative, um, not entrepreneurial, uh, a culture that is very... Uh, fearful, and, and again, stagnant, stagnant. And the United States has a culture that, in terms of, in terms of people's attitude, so more like their sense of life, positive, whereas Europeans are pessimists, Americans are, are optimists, entrepreneurial, don't tread on me, leave me alone, action-oriented, uh, Practical. Europe is interested in hierarchy, in class, in uh, America's much more, you know, you could have a billionaire walking around in shorts and sandals. Um, you, you can't really tell. So, I mean, I think all that is true. I think all that is true. However, there are... Europe, in some extent, has improved, I'd say, over the last 40 years. And the United States has gotten worse over the last 40 years. Particularly, I'm thinking of a country like the UK, England, which I think was very dark, pessimistic, stagnant, going nowhere, no energy, negativity, uh, no entrepreneurial juices at all in the 1960s and 70s. And then I think Thatcher really changed the UK. And I think there was a real revolution in the UK. And the UK became a lot more positive, energized, and, and entrepreneurial. Much more open than it used to be. Much more friendly than it used to be. I remember England in the 60s and 70s. And a big difference. Even the French. I remember when the French, literally, you went to Paris or, or, or you or French, and they wouldn't speak English to you. Even those, the ones who knew English wouldn't speak English to you. I mean, they really looked down on you. They, they thought Americans were barbarians. They, they wanted to have nothing to do with anybody who didn't speak French. And typically fluent French, if you spoke, if you even tried to speak a little bad French, they would poo-poo you and not treat you well. They were obnoxious and unfriendly. I think the French have really changed. They're much more friendly. They're much more open. Again, there's a much better spirit there. I think that happened post-fall of the Berlin Wall, giving up kind of on the, the socialist ideal. They switched it to a different kind of ideal, which we'll get to. But giving up on that ideal, uh, realizing they'd fallen behind dramatically, uh, economically. Uh, you know, remember, uh, even France, 
France voted for a socialist president in 1980, uh, Francois Mitterrand, and then quickly, he, he tried socialism for like a few years, and then quickly reversed course and adopted much more kind of semi-market reforms, moved much more to the center-right or, or much more to the center than, than he ran on. Uh, and, and France boomed after that. There was a real lull when socialism came and boomed after that, and then it's declined since because it's returning kind of to, not to socialism, but to just to a stagnant centrism, a stagnant middle-of-the-roadism, neither here nor there. So, uh, and at the same time, the United States, I think, has become, all the virtues I gave it before, all of those has become less than it used to be. So it used to be much more dynamic. It used to be, uh, you know, uh, much more um, flexible. Americans used to be much more positive. By the way, Richard, thank you for that very, very generous contribution. Thank you for the support. I really appreciate it. Um, and over the last 1 second, I'm looking for I'm looking at these super chats. I missed the super chat. Okay, uh, over the last I don't know, you know, 100 years we've slowly slowly become less optimistic, less independent. Less entrepreneurial, business, business creation uh, declined in the 2000s, in the, certainly under Obama and, and Trump declined. The first year of a rise in actually new business creation was, funnily enough and weirdly enough, was uh, last year. Because I think as businesses shut down because of COVID, new businesses, the same people who shut down their old businesses, created new ones. So, and people were home, so they created businesses. But it's interesting that the, 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 I looked at some statistics about business creation, and business creation really spiked last year. And even the first two months of this year are some of the best year ever, ever for business creation. So it, 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 it is interesting. But Americans have become less of all the things that made them, uh, made them positive. Uh, anything Europeans are better at as a culture than the U.S.? Yeah, I mean, I think so. I think uh, generally a greater appreciation for history, more knowledge of history, greater appreciation of history, more knowledge and greater appreciation of art and its role in culture and its importance of culture uh, and an embrace of art as an important part of life. I think uh, Americans lose because, uh, partially because they're so busy but they don't focus really on um, on the, the the arts culture side. They settle for popular, for what's popular, because it's easy to consume. It's quick. It's simple. Right? Uh, proper says sex. Yeah, attitude towards sex, I think, is probably healthier in Europe than it is in the United States. Uh, not that it's healthy in Europe, because Europe tends to skew more promiscuous, the United States tends to skew more repressed. And to the extent that Americans are promiscuous, they're repressed about even that. So, um, uh, but, but Europeans are definitely, I think, uh, have a healthy attitude to, to nudity, to, um, to sex. Uh, 
and to, to the arts and to culture and things like that, right? I think Americans can't bother. You can see it in, you can see it to some extent, and I've, I've, I've said this many times, I've complained about this many times. You go to most American suburbs, suburbia, um, even though Americans have a lot of money, you go to suburbia, and every house looks the same. There's some differences, but they're all, and they're all gray, and they're all blocky, and they're all uninteresting looking. And all the same. There's no effort to create an aesthetic when it comes to architecture. Daniel says, I need to speak sexier. I don't know how to speak sexier. Is it an issue of the voice? Is it an issue of the topic? I don't know. You'll have to, you'll have to show me, you know, you'll have to illustrate this, Daniel, uh, in some way so that I can learn from you. So, uh, like homes, they're all the same. Actually, I find Puerto Rico, I think, because of the Latin influence, there's a lot, when you go into the, the wealthier neighborhoods in, in San Juan, you see a lot more interesting homes. You see modern homes. You see architecture. You might not like some of it, but at least people trying to create something aesthetic. When you go to Beverly Hills, when you go to a, a lot of wealthy neighborhoods, like in Orange County, California, where you used to live, or, or McMansions in Dallas or in Denver, they all look the same. And, and many of them, like in California, the thing to build right now is Tuscan. So everything in, in California, the, 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 the houses, look like Tuscan homes. Little windows, even though they have magnificent views. Little windows, courtyards. No, I mean, we have air conditioning. Tuscan architecture was appropriate for no air conditioning. We have air conditioning. We have um, insulated windows. Why not enjoy the view? Blow up the windows. I, it's just, why would you have a courtyard in a place that has a view? The, the, the open space should be facing the view. So, uh, you know, traveling in Europe, you see people who have money at least. Uh, now, you see an attempt to create some kind of aesthetic around the homes that they live in, which you don't see in the U.S. And if you walk into an American house, again, particularly wealthy house, there are two variations. One is they're trying to be cultured, so they have a bunch of antiques and gaudy mishmash of style, you know, just they're trying to be European, but old European. Or just nothing, no art, or, or, or just whatever's popular. Or, but there's very little taste. There's very little focus on aesthetic. And again, I, you know, I, I, I've been in, in, in homes in South America and in, 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 in Europe, and you just get a, there's just a better sense of taste, a better sense of aesthetics, a better and there's focus on that. Americans... Their attitude, there's a kind of a mind-body dichotomy with Americans. You know, they're busy making money, they're busy working, they're busy being productive, which is great. And they ignore, funnily enough, they ignore the, the spiritual, they ignore, uh, you know, the, the, 
the art, the culture, the beauty. They ignore beauty. That's a good way to put it. Except, you know, when it comes to maybe human beauty, but they ignore creating a beautiful surrounding. And one of my pet things to argue and encourage you guys to do is to focus more on beauty. Focus more on beauty. To concentrate effort more on beauty. To, to try to create a beautiful life for yourself. By the way, uh, 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 Bradley Thompson, uh, uh, who's a professor at Clemson University, who's been on the show many times and actually is due to come on soon. I need to schedule, need to schedule him in. Uh, just uh, put out something, um, uh, The Good, The Bad, and Ugly, where he's going he's gonna to talk about beauty um, on a regular basis, about what he finds beautiful. You might disagree with him about what he finds beautiful. I certainly am going to. But, um, <laughs> but that, we need more focus on that. We need more, and particularly in objectivism, we need more discussion about that. I don't particularly love cathedrals. No, I mean, I, I, it is a sense in which I hate cathedrals. Because the whole point of a cathedral is to make you small. To make you small. So I'm not a fan of cathedrals. And in architecture, I'm generally a fan of modern architecture, particularly Frank Lloyd Wright, but post a lot of, a lot of other uh, architects, post Van Gogh Wright, many of whom I don't know. I'm, I'm, I, I like in terms of like office buildings and cityscapes. I like the architecture of Hong Kong. I like the architecture of Shanghai. I like the architecture. I like London because London is such a, a, a wide variety of architectural styles from very old to 19th century to early 20th century to very kind of exciting modern architectural attempts. Well, Daniel says the cathedral is like God looking down at you. It's not so much God looking down at you. It's, it's not even somebody looking down at you. It's more how puny you are, how nothing you are, how the church is all, and you are nothing. Which is the opposite of what you feel when you see a skyscraper. Skyscraper gives you a sense of human beings built it for human beings. Not as a monument to God. Not through sacrifice, which is what cathedrals were built. They were built with human sacrifice. Both in treasure and in lives. But in America, when we build something tall... We built it for people, either to live in or to work in and be productive in. It's, it's very different, even though you get the same sense of height. And the essential is, the, the purpose for which it is built, combined with the height, is what gives you kind of a, the, 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 the sense of it all. So... Uh, there's elements of culture that are far better in Europe than they are in the United States. Although uh, that is, again, you're seeing more equality, primarily because Europe, like everybody else, is deteriorating because Europe is adopting more and more, if you will, kind of modern art and, 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 and the uh, art that is worthless and meaningless and stupid. Like I went to see an opera in Vienna and I thought, oh, this is going to be exciting. I'm going to the Vienna Opera, one of the great opera houses in the world. And what a tradition and what a history. And think of all the conductors who conducted here and the singers who have sung here. This is amazing, right? 
And then the staging was this, this modern crap that was just awful and destroyed the whole experience for me. So Europeans have embraced modern art throughout the culture in a way that Americans haven't. And that's to their detriment. Um, and their sense of life, well, I think, they're, again, they're better Europeans and, and, and Eastern Europe is a little different than Western Europe. But their sense of life is still much darker than Americans, still much uh, bleaker than American sense of life. Uh, but, again, America's changing. You know, one of the goals of the Obama administration was to make America more like Europe. And I really think that they did. And I think Trump did as well. Kind of a different angle on Europe, kind of the more populist European elements. And then Biden is going to move us more, more towards Europe. And I, I want to talk in a minute about, you know, one aspect of that, which is health care, because I think, that's, I think that's really interesting. I read a, an op-ed about healthcare that was interesting, comparing, in a sense, comparing the U.S. to the European healthcare systems, which I think is important. So should the United States become more like Europe? No. Should Europe become more like the United States? Yes. Should both just become better? Yes. Can, the, can Americans learn something from Europeans? Absolutely. A, a sense of a sense of aesthetic, the importance of culture, the importance of, if you will, secular, uh, you know, spiritual values, but then you probably think I'm talking about Buddha or something, but I, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about primarily aesthetic values. Can Europeans learn from America? Absolutely. The, the positive is the, the action-oriented, the, the, the entrepreneurship, the positive view of the future, the gung-ho attitude towards changing the world. Europeans are way too settled, way too settled in their ways. There's way too, and, and even if you look at the wealthy in Europe, most of it's old wealth. In, in the U.S., it's still true that most of the wealth is new wealth. That tells you a lot about a culture. It tells you a lot about a culture. But we are seeing the world become more uniform, bland differences disappearing across cultures um, as the world embraces similar economic and philosophical ideas. Europeans are still more collectivist than Americans, but America's catching up. Europeans are still more socialist than Americans, but Americans are cap catching up. On the right, Europeans are more nationalist than Americans, but Americans are catching up. Europeans are more tribalist than Americans. And in the past, a lot more tribalist. But Americans are catching up, right? So everything is kind of going on this, I'd say, gray, collectivist, tribalist, and, and, and blurring the differences, um, the fundamental differences. And that's sad. That's sad. There's certain ideological elements. I mean, certainly in economics, Europe is much worse. Economic ideas, economic thinking. Um, egalitarianism is much more prevalent in certain parts of European culture. But what is unique about American culture, what America is exporting to Europe these days, is the whole woke phenomena. The whole um, 
the whole trigger warnings, the, you know, the whole snowflake phenomena, that, even though Europe has hate speech laws, the attitude of people towards, you can't say that word, you can't say this word, and you can't say this, and you can't say that, and we'll cancel you here, and we'll cancel you, that's much worse in America than it is in Europe. And indeed, that's one, usually, the United States imports its ideas from Europe. All the dominant ideas in America, with the exception of pragmatism, have been imported from Europe. Progressivism, generally all the ideas on the left, nationalism, a certain form of racism from the right. All of those ideas imported to the United States. And of course, the good ideas too. The founding fathers imported the Enlightenment to the United States. Uh, and postmodernism was imported. But now postmodernism in the United States has morphed into these uniquely American forms, which have generated these uh, microaggressions and trigger warnings and woke culture and cancel culture. And that was sending back to Europe. So Europe used to be a lot better in those things than the United States. And then I, I discovered that particularly in the UK, all this stuff was being completely imported into UK universities, and they were becoming exactly like American universities. I want to just mention one area in which the left suddenly, but almost everybody, complains that Europe is much better than the United States. And that is... Um, That is uh, healthcare. Yeah. Uh, Kayo uh, is, is says that the Oscars now uh, awarding the same films as European festivals like Cannes and Venice, The Shape of Water, Parasite, Rome, Joker. Uh, yes, I, I, I think that's right. I think uh, 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 the Oscars are becoming more uh, modern in that sense, modern in the negative sense, more modern art modern culture, more European. But it's also true that we're making in America less good movies with an American sense of life. I mean, there are exceptions. There are exceptions. Whiplash won uh, an Oscar. Uh, there have been years where non-European-style movies have won Oscars. But also good movies, not, not movies that are... Um, you know, a lot of the movies that win Oscars are popular movies, maybe have a better sense of life, but are pretty, sh pretty shitty movies. And to begin with, I wonder if I can ask you to capsulize, I know this is difficult, can I ask you to capsulize your philosophy? What uh, is Randism? Uh, first of all, I do not call it Randism, and I don't like that name. I right. call it Objectivism. All right. Meaning a philosophy based on objective reality. Now, let me explain it as briefly as I can. First, my philosophy is based on the concept that reality exists as an objective absolute. That man's mind, reason, is his means of perceiving it. And that man needs a rational morality. I am primarily the creator of a new code of morality which has so far been believed impossible, namely a morality not based on faith. On faith. Not on faith. 
not an arbitrary whim, not an emotion, not an arbitrary edict, mystical or social, but on reason and morality which can be proved by means of logic, which can be demonstrated to be true and necessary. All right, all right. Now, may I define what my morality is? All right. Because this is merely an introduction. My morality is based on man's life as a standard of value. And since man's mind is his basic means of survival, I hold that if man wants to live on earth and to live as a human being, he has to hold reason as an absolute, by which I mean that he has to hold reason as his only guide to action and that he must live by the independent judgment of his own mind, that his highest moral purpose is the achievement of his own happiness and that he must not force other people nor accept their right to force him, that each man must live as an end in himself and follow his own rational self-interest. All right, before we go on, reminder, please like the show. We've got 163 live listeners right now, uh, 30 likes. That should be at least 100. I figure at least 100 of you actually like the show. Maybe there are like 60 of the Matthews out there who hate it. But, but at least the people who are liking it, you know, I want to see, see a thumbs up. There you go. Start liking it. I want to see that go to 100. All it takes is a click of a, a, click of a, a thing, whether you're looking at this. Uh, and, and, you know, the likes matter. It, it's not an issue of my ego. It's an issue of the algorithm. The more you like something, the more the algorithm likes it. So, you know, and if you don't like the show, give it a thumbs down. Let's see your actual views being reflected in the likes but uh, if you like it, don't just sit there, help get the show promoted. Of course, you should also share, and uh, you can support the show at youronbrookshow.com slash support, or on Patreon, or Subscribestar, or Locals, uh, and, uh, and show your support for, all, for, for, for the work, for the value, hopefully, you're receiving from this. And, uh, and of course, don't forget, if you're not a subscriber, even if you... Even if you just come here to troll, or even if you're here like Matthew to defend Marx, uh, then uh, you should subscribe, because that way you'll know when to show up. You'll know what shows are on, when they're on. You'll get notified. Right? So, um, yes, like, share, subscribe, support. Like, share, subscribe, support. There you go. Easy. Do one or all of those, please. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.